When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm so happy to be back in the studio after a short break and a wonderful visit to Nashville. Um, If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. We had a really wonderful trip. With me in the studio this evening is Gina Foria Rubel. And Gina is the CEO of Foria Rubel Communications here in Philadelphia. And she's going to be joining me in just a moment. Uh, Before we get started, I'm thrilled and honored to welcome a brand new sponsor and member to our watch team, Fortis Wealth's Terry McDermott, who is the Director of Wealth Planning, and Maggie Corrado, Family Wealth Advisor, will be joining us every week for our finance watch and sharing all kinds of great information um, about the financial industry. And their first segment will air this evening um, at the top of the show. Feel free to reach out to us at womentowatch.net for all things related to the show, and be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Um, You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram as well at womentowatch, and the website is womentowatch.net, women2watch.net. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome to the show Gina from, I always want to say Fury. Furia, Furia, Furia mm-hmm. Ruble Communications. Just think Fury, lots Fury. of energy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled you could join me in the studio rather than by phone because I think it just makes for a better conversation. It really does. Yeah. So I want to start off um, the interview with talking a little bit about your growing up years in South Philadelphia. And I love how you describe um, yourself as being proudly a celebratory of your Italian-American heritage. So my first question really was to share what, maybe one of your fondest childhood memories. Oh, I have so many fond memories growing up in South Philadelphia, but in particular, there are two traditions, maybe even three, that um, I just hold so dear. And one is the making of the wine in October. Mm. Uh, We would go up to my aunt and uncle's homes in uh, the Roxborough area, and every fall we would make wine together. And in fact, I went this year as well. And it's just such a special time. You're celebrating life together. You're eating together, breaking bread together, and um, passing down that tradition 
Another in particular was Sunday dinners. Mm. That two o'clock, three o'clock family dinner, especially during the Eagle season. Uh, you know, That's fun. Yeah. If it was, if the Eagles were on at one, dinner was on at noon. <laughs> Or later. Or later. Or later. Or, yeah. later. or the food was out all day. Yeah. And um, the seven or 13 fishes for Christmas Eve, those are the things that really the family, the heritage, the traditions that meant so much to me. Mm. The Very traditional. And do you do those today with your own family? Absolutely. You do? Yes. Wow. That's wonderful. When you were talking about making the wine, I actually had a neighbor growing up that stomped the grapes and oh, well, we in have. the barrel. So you literally did it that way? Well, they, they use the, um, the, the old-fashioned grinder okay. as well. But we have stomped the grapes wow. with, um, th- with literally boots to your knees and just all sanitized. And it's not every year, but when we did it, it was a lot of fun, especially as kids. Yeah. So um, you are a third-generation Philadelphia attorney, and uh, I was wondering, of course, if you felt pressure as a young girl to continue that legacy, um, or were you? did you have a passion uh, to, to go to law school? Yeah, that's a great question, and I don't—I never felt pressured to go to law school. I was always encouraged, but never pressured. I was very fortunate to have parents who encouraged me to follow my heart— and be who I wanted to be, not what anyone else thought I should be. So I was very blessed uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s with parents like that who were so much more modern. Um, I did not know that I was going to go to law school until my senior year of college. Uh, In fact, I did not want to be a lawyer for the longest time because when you grow up in a household with anyone, you see the good and, and, and the not so good about any profession. Mm-hmm. And to me, my dad was always working. And he was working to make a living for our family. He was working to put food on the table. But uh, the legal profession in and of itself, the pressures to bring in business, to maintain business, to meet with clients at all hours of the day and night, um, could be rather daunting. So I saw both sides of that, the glamour mm-hmm. and uh, the extreme hard work. And I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do until I decided to do it. Mm. And um, mom, did she work outside of the house? My mom worked within the home. Okay. And she did everything. And she's taught me so much about prioritizing family above all else. So I've been very blessed. In fact, my mom still is um, helping us even in our home because without her, I wouldn't be able to work and run a business. Right. You have two children. We do. We oh. have two children. A boy and a girl. Yes. One yes. in college at Bucknell and the other uh, who plays football at Central Bucks West oh, fun. in Doylestown. Yeah. So we have just um, an incredible dynamic going on right now. But if it wasn't for my mother all these years, um, I don't know that I could have worked the way I did by any means. Uh, without her, I know I would not be able to claim such success. Mm. I think it's such a gift for children to be able to grow up knowing their grandparents. Well, right? the, the best thing is when my kids call Nana mom. 
Oh, they do. Every once in a while, I say, Mom, I mean, Nan. And it's just this wonderful feeling because they really have been raised with two mothers uh, in that respect. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I want to go back to your high school years because I read something that that made me smile. Um, You went to an all-girls high school, St. Maria Goretti. I did. Here in Philadelphia. And um, you were in the Spanish Society and the American or the America World Affairs Council. I want to know how you dug that up. That is amazing <laughs> to me. I do my homework. You certainly do. I do my homework. But I'm always wanting to kind of, who who was, the, you know, the young girl um, growing up and in high school. And while a lot of other girls might have fallen prey to peer pressure or perhaps doing the traditional girl thing, um, you did not. And I think that says a lot about you. I think I did a little bit of both. Um, I... I was very academically focused, and um, I was blessed with a private school education through the ninth grade. So when I got to St. Mary Gretti, I was well prepared for some of the more rigorous courses. Uh, I had taken Spanish for four years. Please don't ask me to repeat anything on air. Unfortunately, it's fallen away. Yes. But uh, we started the, the Spanish Society at St. Maria Goretti. And it was wonderful because we did um, a lot of different things where we got to immerse ourselves in the foreign language. So it was a, a, a really lovely opportunity. Yeah. I think we all lose that language, you know, without using it. Um, when we come back, I'm going to talk about your years in, in college. Uh, stay with us. Coming up, you're going to be hearing from Hanadi for our Diversity Watch. We'll be right back. Even before he was a prophet, Muhammad, peace be upon him, was known for his trustworthiness. It's not a surprise when we know that till this day, engraved on the entrance of his tomb the words, the one who keeps promises, the trustworthy. Keeping a promise has less to do with the circumstances we're in, and more to do with our integrity and credibility. Even verbiage that sounds like a promise should be considered a promise. I'm specifically conscious of that when I'm talking to my own children. Keeping track of what I'm promising them not only affects the way they perceive me as a parent, but also shapes their understanding of their own promises. When Muslims look into their promises, they first see the commitment they have made towards their religion, like performing prayers on time, fasting during the months of Ramadan, and other timely religious acts of worship are on top of their list. Missing out on those often results in one feeling disappointed, even if the promise didn't affect a single human being. Let's not forget that historically Indonesia turned a Muslim country primarily because of merchants, Muslim merchants, who displayed outstanding ethics in their regular business dealings. In few words, ethics win hearts, whatever the religion is. Let's think for a second. Of all the Muslims who obtained a valid visa, to get to a specific country, officially promising to abide by the laws of this country and be participating citizens. Would it be fair to say that they have violated their own religious ethics if they committed illegal acts? They sure did by every religious measure, in addition to legal and ethical. Quote, O you who believe, fulfill on your covenants a verse in chapter 5 that leaves no doubt on what needs to be done when promises are made. This is Hanadi. Connect with me on hanadispeaksout.com. 
Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Watch Finance Watch. This is Maggie Carrado, and this is Terry McDermott. We're from Fortis Wealth. Women today don't realize that the characteristics that are sometimes perceived to be inherently female are also the same skills and strengths that make women better investors than men. Women, on average, are more patient and are more goal oriented than their male counterparts. History has proven that over the long haul, these two factors can play a large role in compounding investment returns. A buy and hold strategy is often harder to maintain for men who typically tend to take quick action during market fluctuations. By trading less, women are less likely to trade at the wrong time. One of the staples of our investment philosophy here at Fortis is to take the emotion out of investing. A typical emotional investor tends to follow the herd, meaning that when stock prices are going down, panic sets in and the tendency is to sell. When stock prices are rising, the fear of missing out causes us to buy. Chasing the market in this way leads investors to do exactly the opposite of what they should be doing, which is buying low and selling high. As Warren Buffett says, whether we're talking about socks or stocks, I like buying quality merchandise when it is marked down. Research from Fidelity has found that women also tend to seek out the help of professionals more frequently than men who are more likely to be do-it-yourselfers when it comes to investing. That being said, studies also show that women as a whole are still lacking the confidence to take control of their investments, and a large percentage of women say more financial education is what they need to feel more confident about managing their family's wealth. At Fortis, we have a firm-wide commitment to thought leadership. Through our own research, we know women and men feel different financial burdens. Whether we're educating our female clients on the role with aging parents or holding a speaker series on financial literacy for teens, we advocate for women and the issues that matter most to them. This is Maggie. And this is Terry. And that's your Finance Watch. Peace out. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. You're listening to Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined this evening by Gina Furia Rubel from Furia Rubel Communications. I wanted to say CEO. And uh, real quickly, I I hope you enjoyed that Finance Watch segment, a brand new segment for us, uh, Terry McDermott and Maggie Corrado, uh, just before coming back. And we were talking about school years and and your ability to, um, you know, kind of uh, not be a follower, maybe I'll say. Here's a, here's a better way to ask you this. Were you a leader back in high school the way you are today? I don't think so. Um, I think I wanted to be. I think I was more of a loner than I was a leader and a listener, um, perhaps not a follower. I was fortunate. My parents, uh, we spent a lot of summers in Seattle City, New Jersey, where, in fact, I met my now husband when I was 15. Uh, wow. <laughs> is he a Philly boy? He's not. He's okay. from um, Upper Bucks County. Okay. Uh, very different backgrounds, but um, similar values. And 
What's interesting is I, I don't think I was a leader, um, or at least I didn't see myself as such. But I think a lot of women and even myself, oftentimes throughout life, we find ourselves with uh, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to ask that, to answer that, because I know at that time I was extremely insecure. And if I was a leader, I didn't know it. Mm. I, you know, I sometimes want to ask, are, is there anyone who was not um, kind of, you know, full of self-doubt, insecurities um, as young girls? And that imposter syndrome, I think, is is very, very interesting because today I think there's so much conversation around it. It's helping young girls to not do that. I hope so. Right? I hope so. Yeah. Do you talk to your own daughter about it? Always. What, what kind of conversations do you have? Uh, we have incredible conversations. I, My husband, Scott, and I couldn't be more blessed than to have two more communicative children at ages 18 and 15. And we talk about everything. Um, we talk about what does self-doubt look like? How do you combat self-doubt? Uh, how do you instill confidence in yourself? Um, We've never, I had some rules, my husband and I had rules about the language we used with our children. Never, ever was anyone ever allowed to use words like fat or chubby or overweight or too skinny mm-hmm. or any of that language that is just um, demeaning, in my opinion. And it cause, that language, when someone accepts it, causes their own self-doubt. And I think that's a lot of where mine came from. Yeah. I think that's so smart. So don't even reference the physical self. Just no. be always talking about gifts and, and abilities and, and dreams and, and pursuits. It's, it's not easy to live by example either because, you know, I was raised in, you know, the Barbie era, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we all have Barbies growing up. I did not actually. I ripped the head <laughs> off of mine. Some would I had say baby I was dolls, but not Barbie. My mom thought they were too risque. Well, and that's funny. And I didn't like baby dolls. I liked the Barbies. Oh, but then funny. I decided I didn't like Barbie because I didn't look like Barbie. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's it's an interesting phenomenon. conversation, though. Mm-hmm. We do. And um, it's it's a journey for all of the young folks out there. So here's a question for you, because, you know, when you look at your uh, resume, you have been very, very successful, and you have handled some very high-profile cases here in Philadelphia. Um, you know, you, you went to law school, and you're running your own company and doing it well. On the days where you're questioning yourself, what is your mantra? What do you say to yourself to move past it, knowing that really, you know, you have the ability. It's really data-driven for me, um, actually looking at the facts of the success, uh, defining what success looks like for me. And I think every business owner, every person, woman, child, man, um, should needs to define his or her own success and what that means to them. So for me, I then, I know what my success looks like. And if I can then equate it to, were we successful in managing that client's reputation or handling that merger and acquisition or keeping that person out of the news in a in a bad situation whatever the case may be that we're we're working on that's it's it's you know it's the what do they say the proof is in the pudding right is that is that the saying yeah i usually mess those sayings up as my (laughs) husband would tell you um no that's a good one and that is correct um i have a quote here you know kind of um pointing to what you were just saying what you're motivated by. And you said, I'm motivated by results and helping clients manage their reputations. 
Um, I'm wondering if throughout your 16-year career, you have seen clients, without naming any names, um, continue to make the same mistakes. Yes, and they don't stay clients for long. Uh, at the end of the day, all we have is our own reputation. And the success of the client equates to our own success as a business. So we have to maintain that kind of boundary. If a client keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again, we're never going to be successful. So at that point, we have to terminate the relationship. And do you feel as though when you're working, at the, you're actually educating people as well as um, taking care of the problem, but you're hoping that they learn from that? Absolutely. I mean, most of the time we want to avoid any problems. So in marketing, public relations, and crisis communications, we want to be proactive as often as, more often than not. If a client um, is not learning from us or is not listening to us, and we've tried several different ways to share that information, um, perhaps it's not the right fit, and that's mm -hmm. okay too. Can you tell me what it is about you that enables you to do the work that you do um, without letting emotion uh, play a role? Um, you have to take a step back. You have to be a diplomat. You have to be a strategist. Again, as I said, I'm very driven by data. So I, you have to know what you're trying to accomplish. I My favorite book is called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and it's a book. Uh, there's a couple agreements in there. One is don't take anything personally. Always do your best. Never make assumptions and be impeccable with your word. I try to live by that as much as possible. Mm. Sounds like a great book. Uh, we will be right back. Stay with us uh, for Marianne's Health Watch. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Now, the Women to Watch Health Watch. From Jefferson University Hospital, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. People often call me the Diva Doctor. That's because my message to all women, including our listeners out there, is treat yourself like a diva. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. Women are the nurturers. We take care of our children, spouses and partners, parents, often putting ourselves last. October is here. A good time to talk about breast cancer prevention and screening. But more importantly, I'd like to spend this month discussing all the cancers that affect women. Let's start by reviewing the most common cancers found in women. If you guessed breast, you're right. But is it the one that most often causes death? The most common cause of cancer death in women and in men is lung cancer. Next on the list for women is breast. But when we combine men and women, the number two cause of cancer death is colon cancer. More people die of colon cancer than of breast cancer. After lung, breast, and colon is cancer of the pancreas, now surpassing ovarian cancer in numbers. Pink campaigns provide a good reminder and heightened awareness about breast cancer, but indirectly lead some women to think mammogram and done. Plus, women think colon cancer is a man's disease. Look at it another way. Mammograms find early cancer. Colonoscopy can find and remove precancer, benign polyps. Ding, ding, ding! Colon is the most preventable cancer. And now some centers have screening tests for lung and pancreas cancers in high-risk patients. And ladies, remind the men in your lives to get prostate screening. Jefferson is home to the Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center. Call 1-800-JEFF-NOW and ask about our screenings for lung, colon, breast, pancreas, and prostate cancer, and even melanoma. Visit cancer.org, the American Cancer Society website. Lots of information written specifically for patients. And remember... Treat yourself like a diva. 
or nobody else will. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Watch. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch and a dose of inspiration today. So another amazing pillar that I'd like to share with you from discovering the essence of what truly has been the leading three pillars of powerful and successful women leaders around the world. And this pillar is courage. What we've discovered and I found in all the interviews is that the one quality that is common amongst everyone, the courage, the power to stand up for what you stand for. And what do I mean by that? Do you have the courage to know that you can say no, the power of no? You see, so many of us struggle with feeling that we have permission to say no. And actually, the greatest gift you can give yourself and the world is the courage to know that you have the power to say no so you know where to say yes. So many times we find ourselves caught in this cycle of saying yes to everybody and everything. And do you know what happens? We've lost you. We're losing the best of you. There's nothing left of you. You're depleted. You're drained. There's nothing left because you haven't stood up to have the courage in yourself to say no. That is no longer where I'm going to serve because you see the world benefits when we get to see you leveraged at your very best. And that means being really clear about where you can say yes and bring your best to the world. So today it is time. Take a look at your calendar today, tomorrow, and for the next seven days. And what can you start carving out that is truly not bringing the best of you? And trust me when I say Everyone wins. Your family wins. Your colleagues win. Your companies win. Everyone wins, when especially you win, because now you're standing up for what you stand for, and we get to see the very best of you. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your stories. Please reach out to me at hollydowling.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. 
Thanks so much for being with us for another uh, Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210. And I'm joined this evening in the studio by Gina Furia-Rubel, the CEO of Furia-Rubel Communications. I'm thrilled to have her here. Um, one of the things I was curious about in, in looking over your work and, and what exactly you do, you work with many different industries, um, legal, accounting, government, education, behavioral health, and nonprofits just to name a few. Can you share a commonality in your approach when dealing with so many different professions? Absolutely. Uh, it, no matter the industry or the profession, the first question is, what do you want to accomplish? What are the goals? What are your objectives? And once we know the, and so we're very strategic in our approach to any form of communication. Uh, what is the objective? What is the timeline? Who do you want to reach? Um, and then we go into the strategy about how to accomplish those objectives. And that's where things will shift depending on whether or not the company is business to business, business to consumer. Uh, so, for example, legal and accounting, they actually may be business to business or business to consumer depending on their uh, practice areas. So the the tactics, the, the way you accomplish those things vary, but the, the approach doesn't. Can you talk about um, the differences, perhaps, in dealing with men versus women in any of these industries? Well, I try, I try not to look at them differently. I put everyone on the same playing field. However, that you also have to have enough, enough emotional intelligence to know how people need to be communicated with. So whether it's a man or a woman, I ask them how they want to be communicated with, what are some of, how do they define success? How do they define success working with us, with our team? Because at the end of the day, they're the client. And if you're not communicating with them the way they want to be communicated with, you're never going to be successful. Mm. And there is a difference, you know, the way women communicate and the way men communicate. We learn this in marriage, right, with our husbands. We do. And one of the things I find is I let them lead the conversation and I try to be an active listener. And I can oftentimes, oftentimes find out whether or not someone likes small talk first for the first 15 minutes of a conversation and then get mm -hmm. down to business. Mm -hmm. Or if it's someone who is, let's get down to business now get to those three points, meeting's over. Yeah. And there's no wrong or right way to approach that for us. It's just how the client wants to be approached. So for you personally, have you always had that ability to read people? I think so. I think that's been one of my gifts in life. Um, I'll often say, my husband hears me say this all the time, I'm always clear. I can always see the forest through the trees. And when I'm not clear is when I am the most agitated. Because if I don't understand how to get from point A to point Z, or what the right solution is because I haven't been down that road before, mm -hmm. that to me is very frustrating. Yeah. Tell me um, one of, with perhaps not naming um, a case or a, um, a, an organization, one that you worked on that was a proud moment for you where you felt I really, I'm, I'm where I should be, and, and uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, and, you know, I can name one, and it's, 
I'm proud to work with all of our clients, and we have clients all over the United States. So I'll give you a, a local example. Okay, great. When two local banks in Bucks County wanted to unify, and I say unify, not merge, because they came together, they changed their name to a new name. Um, we did all of the strategy from the corporate communication side to the actual rebranding, renaming, uh, to the rollout to the customers and employees. And probably one of the more proud uh, pieces of work we've done with Penn Community Bank. And do you have a certain leadership style with your team? What it, What is your philosophy for motivating the people that work for you? That's a great answer. That's a great question. I don't know that I have the answer for it. I try to lead with integrity. I try not to micromanage. I can't say I succeed at that all the time. If they're listening to this, they'll be laughing. Um, <laughs> she does not do that. So there's the integrity yeah. part of me. Um, but it, I also try to always be honest and remember that everyone has something else going on in their lives other than work. That's why I built the, the company. I wanted people to have a place to work, including myself, that was flexible, mm -hmm. that allowed for someone to go to a parent-teacher meeting or take care of an aging significant other or, or parent or sick child, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Real life, right? What a concept. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so that's why I never ask the question about work-life balance. I say it's just life. In this moment, we're working. Maybe in 10 minutes, we're on the phone with our well, we kid. We have a lot in common because I don't believe in work-life balance. No, it's life. Um, how much – so for, let's talk about why you're unique, really, in your field. So you're a marketing and PR firm. However, with your law degree and your extensive experience with legal matters, you're really – you have the ability to understand regulatory issues when dealing with with a number of your clients. Is that unique to you and your firm? I believe so. I believe one of the big things that sets us apart is our understanding of compliance-driven industries, regulated industries, uh, legal, accounting, banking, uh, even you know other industries that we've worked within, behavioral health, for example. So there's not a lot of other companies locally doing that same uh, if there are, I'm not familiar with ones that have the level of expertise that we do. Right. Which is why they call on you. Um, I'm joined this evening by Gina Furia Rubel, CEO of Furia Rubel Communications, and you're listening to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Stay with us for Carol's segment, our Legal Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch. Legal Watch. Well, for many, the transition to college is often scary and sometimes a bit overwhelming. And for others, it means freedom and excitement. For a student with high functioning autism who is about to step foot on campus, it may be downright anxiety producing. The good news is that the law provides support for those with disabilities. To best take advantage of how the law can help, Let's begin with a student's simple to-do list. First, obtain a certification that you have Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD, from a neurologist or psychologist. Make sure what you need to succeed is documented. The law provides for reasonable accommodations for your disability. 
I am now working with a student who has been put on notice that he must alter his behavior to remain in his college program. The so-called troubling behaviors are a direct manifestation of his disability, but the student's evaluation report failed to identify these behaviors. Without the medical backup, the school is not required to customize the student's educational experience. Secondly, contact the school's disability office. The staff are there to assist you in receiving the necessary accommodations to perform in your classes. And most importantly, get off to a good start by telling your professors and your advisor you have ASD and what you need. Arrange a meeting before the semester begins or the first week at the very latest. College should be an eye-opening adventure. Get a leg up by making sure you know what you need to do long before the first day. To know your rights and what to do, contact me at WeinmanLawOffice.com. That's W-E-I-N-M-A-N LawOffice.com. Attorney and leading autism expert Carol Weinman offers one-of-a-kind solutions to your legal and autism needs. Recognized nationwide as the one and only autism legal expert, Weinman delivers exceptional results. Weinman is a master at putting together pieces to create a remarkable outcome. Contact Weinman at 215-591-3614 or at autismlegal.com. That's autismlegal.com. Carol Weinman, the leading nationwide expert autism attorney. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm having a great conversation this evening with a local woman, very, very successful um, attorney and CEO of Furia Rubel Communications here in Philadelphia. And uh, I always like to, I think no matter who I'm talking to, technology is a topic we can discuss because it's affecting all of us um, on many levels. And you've been doing this for 16 years, and I wonder if you can talk about how technology has helped uh, your business and perhaps where it's frustrating and, and not doing what it should be doing. I think it's the same answer to the, you know, <laughs> the same answer on both sides. What's so interesting is when I started in law and communications, uh, the fax from the machine was a big deal. Right. And when I was working for the Philadelphia courts, we did not have email yet. If you really want to go back that far, and yet I don't consider myself old by any means. I'm very young in the industry. And it, uh, technology has changed at the speed of light, in, and especially in our industry. So, for example, uh, and I just read a study yesterday about uh, the number of towns in the United States that no longer have a local newspaper. And the newspaper was where you got your news. The radio was where you got your news. The um, you know, evening news on television, Walter mm -hmm. Cronkite. Three stations. Right, three stations with a, um, a metal wire hanger to right. get, your, <laughs> get your signal. Right. Um, and now with, th with things like the internet and social media and 
most people in the millennial or Gen Z generations will even say emails antiquated. Uh, we're getting news at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. It makes our job in, in crisis communications and public relations much more difficult. So where we might have had 24 hours to manage a public crisis, we don't have 24 minutes yes. today. Right. And so that it, it, it is also easier to get your message out to a wider audience much more quickly. So it's a double-edged sword, sword, as you will. Mm. Um, we can get messages out there. We also have more opportunity for citizen journalism to craft messages that we feel are important, that have integrity for our clients, and to put that out there to show the other side of the story, mm -hmm. to be more responsive. You know, you don't have to write an op-ed or a commentary to the newspaper anymore to see if it might get picked up because you can comment right on the story. Right. So yes. technology has very much changed our industry, uh, especially and also on the marketing side. Are you doing Facebook ads or Instagram ads or, you know, it's, videos? Well, and videos, yeah. too. I'm yeah. still a traditionalist in the sense that I like formal videos done by professionals and professional photographers. There's a reason they're out there. And the younger generations are more tolerant of the self-done video holding the, you know, the selfie, the selfie generation, as you will. And I don't mm -hmm. say that with negative connotation at all. It's just that they're more comfortable with the iPhone photo versus the professional photo. Mm -hmm. And I'm still of the um, mantra that I like to see things done as professionally as possible. Yeah. Are, it sounds very, when you were describing that, um, it sounds very fast-paced and stressful. Do you have the ability to, to walk away and turn it off? I would imagine you would feel the need to always be looking at the phone for updates, information um, on your various clients. You're not working with one client at a time. I'd say most of the time I don't because I am the company owner and we do crisis communications and it's my responsibility to make sure that if someone needs us, we're available. However, I have an incredible staff and they do give me permission and the ability to turn off. We usually try to go on vacation once or twice a year and I leave the state, I leave, try to leave the country or go to, we I'll, oftentimes will go to national parks where there's no cell service. That's to really smart. disconnect. There you go. Yeah. And I, I, I trust my staff. I mean, they're incredible. W right now we have all women in the office. Uh, they're incredible women, brilliant, smart, responsible. So I can walk away when someone else is responsible to be available. Mm -hmm. Tell me what your thoughts are on why we see so few women in the C-suites and that percentage I just read an, um, an article this morning that it's only increasing by 1% and we will not see equity until 2051, I think it said this morning. What are your personal views on why that is the case? Uh, I think it's twofold or probably much more fold than just two, but there's two main things that I see. Lack of faith in oneself and lack of opportunity. And... That's going to change because the generations coming into leadership are changing. Mm -hmm. 
and they don't see gender differences like our parents did or like we were grown up to see. Yes. They're a much freer, much more open, much more confident generation. Um, they don't have the gender boundaries that we were raised with or the guilt. And I think there will be change. It Change does take time. But as long as we raise our children to make this world a better place, I believe it will be. Yeah. That's a great way to end the show. I thank you so much for taking time to come in and, and share a little bit about your story. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, going into the break, you're going to hear from Mary for our tech segment. Stay with us. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. The technology evolution is impacting the way the mix of generations communicate at home, school, and work, and is a part of our everyday life. The amount of social media platforms keeps increasing, and to date, it's estimated the amount of users on these sites is approximately 2.6 billion. Generation Z alone uses about five different social media sites a day. This generation doesn't know a world without smart devices, and according to some reports, spend as much as three to four hours online a day. I think it's more than that, but let's go with those statistics. For reference, Gen Z is anyone born between 1995 to mid-2000s, and as an FYI, they would rather have working Wi-Fi than a working bathroom. It's a fact that once something is posted on social media, it's nearly impossible to remove its mark Please take this seriously. Many teenagers act on impulse. They want to express themselves, and social media is the quickest and easiest way to do that. Like many adult figures, they're using social media as a means of branding themselves and creating an image. But once that thought or picture is posted, it can be shared and reshared and viewed by others, and even worse, with potential predators. The post tells the world something about who they are and sets a tone. So it's important that young people know that what they post today will be how they're seen in the future by friends, family, schools, and employers. Think of it this way. How many famous figures have made the tabloids because of something they did or didn't do? That story can change their careers for better or worse for the rest of their lives. When we post on social media, we become the author, editor, publisher of our own story or the stories we tell about others. And once we post that story, it's out there forever. As adults, we have the opportunity to guide teenagers to act responsibly. Next week, we'll take a look at why teenagers rely so much on social media, and specifically girls. I'm Mary at PathwaysCG.com. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Please be sure to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. You can find us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And you can find us as well on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much to our sponsors and contributors for helping us to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.